Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hey, Strong Runner Chicks, it's Megan here reminding you about our virtual race series kicking off this week, July 1st through the end of August. You can sign up for a 5K, 10K, half marathon, or vertical mile distance, or you can do any combination of those. Um, For anyone who registers, you'll get access to over five different workshops featuring dietitians, professional runners, and even just everyday runners. So great place to connect with one another, learn from great people in our sport, and continue to just foster community even online. Um, So the whole premise of our race series is why I run, really taking us back to our why behind running. Because right now when we don't have races, it's easy to lose sight of that. And I think it's been a great time for reflection and really thinking about more ways we can give back through the sport. Um, So in addition, we're going to be doing some prize raffle drawings throughout the duration of the race. And um, a percentage of our proceeds are going to Girls Gotta Run Foundation to support girls and women in Ethiopia. So we really hope that you will join us and just know that registration will be open through about mid-July, so you can always hop on. Um, But we really encourage you, sign up soon, grab your teammates. Um, The more people, the merrier. We'd love to see you there. Um, So that being said, enjoy this show. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and thanks again for tuning in. Welcome, Becky. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Hi, it's nice to be here. So excited. Um, so set the stage for me. Where are you right now? What have you done this morning? Because it is morning when we're talking. What? How's your day going? Yeah, it's pretty good so far. I woke up uh, around seven. Um, so I like to be up kind of early. Uh, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I did like a bar workout this morning. So my hair's a little wet. So that's why, you know, that I worked out this morning. And it felt good. So I'm feeling, feeling awake, feeling good. Nice. Glad to hear it. And so for folks who are listening, Becky and I are almost right down. Well, when I'm living in Ohio, we're almost right down the the state from one another. I guess you could say um, I'm leaving in Columbus. And like she said, she in Cincinnati. Um, And additionally, I've also heard I've been to one bar class um, when I was living out in Colorado and it was so terribly hard. So I give you quite a pat on the back for completing a bar workout this morning. Yeah, no, it's it's really fun. Like it's just a different like strength kind of cardio workout and definitely my cousin like got me into it that she's Mm -hmm. actually out in Colorado or no sorry Oregon and um, said she does teaches bar classes so I did a couple of hers and it was very hard at first but (laughs) (laughs) now I'm kind of getting used to it and the movements and stuff so yeah absolutely I feel like it's one of those things where it works all these little like micro muscles, if that makes sense, that I didn't even realize I had. And then I'm like, I wake up the next day and I'm so sore because I didn't even realize I had those tiny little muscles. But anyway, so kind of yeah. moving into the podcast a little bit. Um, speaking about moving our bodies, um, I'm curious, how did you get your start in running? 
So I started, um, I mean, I was more of a soccer player starting out. So if you call that running, not really, but like I was first started out that way. And then I really started, you know, actually running. I started with um, track and field my sophomore year. So that was about seven years ago. Yikes. Um, and then I got into like the more longer distance cross country um, that my, the following fall, my junior year, the start of my junior year. Um, and one of my friends who ran track with me, her name was Jordan. And she had just had this bubbly personality and like loved to run and very persuasive. And she was like, yeah, you should come out and try for cross country. And I was like, I don't know. I've never really ran more than like two miles consecutively. So I'm not sure how that would go, but I ended up doing it and I loved it. And um, she kind of became my running buddy throughout that season. Um, unfortunately, she did pass away um, in a car accident, but she's kind of the, I mean, I definitely, you know, run for my own mental and physical health, uh, but she's definitely a big part of why I continue running too. Um, and definitely the reason I started running, I think too. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing. And I'm sorry to hear about Jordan. That's heart-wrenching, um, if I could say one word to sum it up in, in my perspective. Um, and I think it's really interesting when you say that because I think sometimes pe folks think running is just to run, but sometimes there are these underlying like mechanisms of running, like why we run, what's the, the purpose behind it, these feelings that we get, whether we think of someone or, you know, we do it because it gets us away from our family or, you know, especially during quarantine or, you know, whatever it might be. So I really appreciate you giving a nod to that, Becky, um, in the sense that you're like, I, I remember her when I run. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's it's just not a, a physical thing. Like there's that mental aspect mm -hmm. to it. And yeah, there's always, a I think, a bigger reason to it as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And I know in our later on in our podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about like mental health surrounding running and, and kind of what that means to you. So I'm eager to dive a little bit deeper. Um, but before yeah. we get there, um, I'm interested because you, you're a coach as well, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so how did your running experience lead you to coaching, um, you know, a cross country team? Was it, you know, did you have a, a role model that you had or was it just your passion for running? Like what, what led you to that experience? Um, I mean, I really loved that. I mean, I love soccer when I ran, but the cross country team and running with all the girls and of course it was a competitive, but it was also just more like this family kind of aspect too. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And I mean, when I coach, that same feeling continues. Um, but I think I started out, I think that my coaches were the coaches that were uh, still coaching before I came on. And a couple of them, you know, had jobs that they really couldn't, you know, balance the coaching and um, doing their job. And they had families that young kids going to different places. So they just need to take time away from coaching. So they were looking for um, another coach. And I think the athletic director at um, the high school was actually asked my older sister, cause you know, she was a little bit older and I was, I think I was just a freshman in college, I think at the time they were looking. So, you know, it made sense that they were trying to find someone a little bit older. But my sister wasn't really like into it, I guess. So they asked me because I had that relation to the cross country. And I was like, heck, yeah, like that sounds so much fun. Like I'd love to come back and coach. Um, I don't really <laughs> I mean, I told them like I don't have 
that great of experience of coaching, obviously. Um, but I think they were just kind of looking for someone, you know, good personality, like knows the school and, you know, can run and whatever else. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess, the transition of from running to coaching and how that happened. Yeah, so I'm interested, you spoke on two things that I, I kind of am interested to in hearing a little bit more about. Um, the first one is actually you, so you were coached by the people that you ended up coaching with. If that yeah. What was that relationship like? How did you transfer from being like, you know, someone who, like when you think hierarchical, right? You like have someone who's above you and then obviously, then you come up to it and you're like a little bit slightly less than them if you're like an assistant coach or whatever. So how did that transition go? It was definitely um, weird. I mean, <laughs> my coaches are, or, you know, I mean, they're still young, but they were pretty young at the time too. Um, and I mean, even when I was running, I always, I mean, yeah, there was like that like line of authority that they knew it was better and they were older and whatever else, but they were always just kind of like friends also just because they, you know, were younger and cool and hip and whatever else. So um, it was kind of weird the first year, kind of the second year too, um, going into it just because I was on that same kind of playing field now. Um, but they just kind of welcomed me in and um yeah I don't know it was it was it was weird I felt like one of the girls the first year um still but then as the years went on it kind of became more natural and I became more of that coach I guess yeah it's so interesting what a, a relationship or how a relationship makes a difference you know between an athlete and the coach whether you know it's you know, staying on to continue coaching with that coach because you admire them or you had a great relationship with them or it, it felt like um, a really great atmosphere to be a part of um, or whether it was just like, you know, you spoke, and this is kind of leads into my second question here, of this family environment that, you know, the cross-country team fostered. So I'm wondering if maybe you could speak a little bit to that and, you know, maybe how the team fostered a, a, like this family relationship or if the coaches had any input on that or whether it was just like this awesome team dynamic. Yeah, I mean, so we did workouts and there were practices that were hard and whatever else, but uh, I don't know, just kind of comparing my experience to soccer, that it just always seemed like tension filled and, you know, we supported one another, but it was also like, I'm vying for this spot and so are you. Whereas in cross country, like, yes, it's a team sport, but it's also kind of just on you to like get faster in your time or whatever else. And everyone's at different varying spe um, speeds and stuff like that. So I don't know, it just seemed more supportive that when we would do workouts that, you know, the faster group would finish their times and then they would, you know, cheer on the next group coming in and then that group would cheer on the next group coming in. So it just it just felt more like a, a family kind of aspect and like supportive and I just really liked that about it. Yeah, and I can relate to the soccer aspect. So I played soccer in college and um, I completely agree. Like we were, it's so funny, we were quote unquote like a team, but yet we were vying for similar spots, yeah. like you said. Um, and I never actually thought about it in the, in the way that you, you know, pro propose the idea of cross country of that it's a team 
and an individual sport at the same time, which is, doesn't really happen in very many sports. I think the other one that maybe we could speak about would be like golf, like on a golf team or like even, um, skiing, I think as well, um, where you have to balance the dynamics of like, yes, we have this family and yes, there are folks who run faster or ski faster or hit, um, better, um, shots of golf, whatever it might be. Um, but then there's also this like individual quality of like, how can I improve myself so that the team improves as well? So I really appreciate you nodding to that because I actually never really thought of like cross country or in that manner. I actually think it was my coach. My head coach said, said that like the, the whole idea of like the weakest link. So like your, you know, slowest runner is going to affect like that next runner, which affects the next runner. And so like, you might have this great first fast runner, but like, you know, scoring and all the rules of like cross country of that, that if your, you know, slowest runner isn't doing their part, then the whole team kind of fails. So it's really important to, yes, run your best individually, but also support the other girls at the same time. So you all do well, cohesively, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. That's really neat. And what a kind of wise remark by that coach. I, I appreciate that perspective. Um, so I'm, I'm curious a little bit more about your coaching experience, because I know it's something that you're really passionate about. Um, so what is it about coaching that brings you so much joy? Yeah, like I said before, um, just running on that same, well, I mean, the team's changed, but running, you know, for the same high school and stuff that the whole experience that it feels like, I get to come back every year and be on the team and run with new girls and empower new girls and just experience, you know, different personalities and stuff like different girls every year um, and just run with them and learn things about them. Um, It's also, I think, yes, the whole running and like, you know, getting physically better and stuff like that is important, but I know the one thing for Ursuline that um, one of their, I guess, mottos is learning not for school, but for life. Um, So I really try to incorporate that into my coaching as well, that, um, you know, teaching them to be strong runners, like that's important for cross country, but also teaching them to be, you know, strong, independent women as well. um, And learning those lessons that they can taking cross country and carry over into their life after high school and um, into college and beyond. Um, So, yeah. What a neat, um, like, motto. Um, I can remember, I wish I had my syllabus near me, but I had, I took a class this year or this fall, and it was um, just a little bit more on, it was technically called a pro seminar class, and this class the very first day the professor said, you know, we learn not for school itself, but for life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know what? I, it's so true. Um, so I'm blown. Seriously. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's what I'm doing here. Um, (laughs) but it's so true because, you know, I think sometimes we think, uh, not to speak, I should speak for myself. I think sometimes I, you know, think of sport on like this one dimensional aspect, like, you know, sometimes it's only meant for people to do like to get out and move their bodies, you know, but in reality, there are so many different aspects of sport that we forget. And I love, you know, what you said in the, in the sense that, you know, they can learn for life through this sport. So um, I'm wondering if maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that because some of the words that I caught up or that I heard you speak were, you know, empower and independent woman and strong. And so how, how do you do that with the athletes that you work with? 
Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I would say some of the things that I would, um, I mean, I'll touch on this a little bit later, but just the whole, um, I mean, I know for a lot of high schoolers that, you know, sleep can be a hard thing to come by, but I think, and even, um, I've learned things with my occupational therapy classes too, that, you know, sleep is kind of the foundation of everything, like, especially for a runner that it helps you, you know, your muscles heal. And, um, when you're studying in school, like it helps you retain things. And if you're not getting enough sleep, then you're not going to perform well, like mentally the next day, you're not going to perform physically well the next day. Um, so just kind of remembering to, I guess, always get sleep. Like that's a good thing, not just for cross country, but in life. Um, other things might be, um, I don't know. I, I think for me, like just having a good, hard working ethic that, um, uh, just, you know, not giving up on yourself and pushing through and, you know, whether that's the workout you're doing or it's some test that you're studying for and you're not feeling, you know, motivated to study, but like you need to, you know, push through and study and so you can get the grades and you can go to college and you can, you know, help people in the bigger society and stuff like that. So um, yeah, definitely the hard work ethic that I think that's a good lesson you can take from cross country and carry over into life too. Yeah, and it's so funny. I, I speak a lot about sleep with my students in school, um, and I say to them a lot, it, it's such a simple thing to change, but it makes all the difference. So I'm really, like, I think giving nod and starting those really um, kind of quote-unquote healthier habits, you know, at a younger age is so yeah. important so that, like you said, when they get to college, you know, they have that hard work ethic, they have that sleep routine, they're not giving up on themselves, they're pushing through, you know, the pain um, when it's safe to do so. Um, and so I, I think those are really great. And I think another thing that maybe you'll, you're too humble to say, but I'm going to say it, <laughs> is that it's really important for these young girls to have a role model to look up to. So I think if yeah. you recognize it or not, um, you're teaching them to learn through life by the example that you're setting for them. Um, and that is, I think, in some ways so vastly important, similar to what it sounds like you had when you had good coaches on, for the team. So yeah, that's incredibly yeah, I think that's incredibly powerful. And I think you're, you know, doing a really great job of that, you know, whether you recognize it or not. Um, and so, you know, kudos to you, Becky. Well, thank you. Well, that yeah. just made me feel good. Thanks. <laughs> um, so on the flip side, have you experienced any challenges with coaching that you, you would like to or feel comfortable speaking to? Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't, you know, you know, no one likes to talk about their weaknesses and stuff like that. But um, I think this one, because it's getting better, it's easier to talk about, I guess. And that'd be more like, um, I guess the training aspect of coaching. Uh, so, I mean, coming in, like I talked about earlier that I kind of didn't really know what I was doing as a coach. I was more just in lack of better words, like a filler spot, someone, you know, that knows the program and, uh, things like that. So I didn't really have like how to, you know, prepare, workouts and things like that um which I mean it's kind of more of the head coach coach's job anyway um so I never really learned about that I guess and when I was running 
not that I didn't pay attention to the workouts, but I kind of was just out there running like, oh, a mile repeat. Okay, let's just do this and we'll get it done. And like, I never really understood, I guess, the broader picture of like, oh, this is, you do these workouts, you know, early in the season. And then you do these workouts in the middle of the season and like you taper off, you know, end of the season and stuff like that. So I never, I guess, bigger picture really understood the whole training of it. But as I've gone through more seasons and, you know, seen the head coach, you know, change up some things from season to season in the training. Like I've gotten more experience of that. And even this season, um, our coaching staff has changed a little. So I've been helping out more with the training. Uh, so it's definitely getting more into the strength area, but it still definitely is a big weakness, I would say for me as a coach. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And you're not alone in that. I mean, I, know personally that if, and I can't relate to cross country necessarily, but it's so funny you mentioned this because just the other day when I was running, I was like, I don't know if I could ever put together like a soccer practice again. Like yeah. I don't think I could. And I played soccer for like 20 years of my life. Right. I don't think I ever could. Um, I, I like, I don't, I just don't remember. So, um, it's funny you, you give nod to that, but also at the same time, you also mentioned like, no one likes to talk about your weaknesses. I totally relate to that. But at the same time, it's also really brave to talk about our weaknesses. So I, you know, thank you for like being honest and being like, this is a weakness of mine. I struggle with this because it's not an easy thing to say or do, especially on a podcast. Right. Um, but it's okay. Um, so thank you for giving nod to that. Um, so I guess moving forward, because um, now I really want to talk a little bit about, you know, the mental health aspect of things, because it's something that we're both really, you know, passionate about. Um, so in, like I said, in our prior, prior conversations, um, you've spoken about the impact of mental health and, you know, the work that you've done, not only coaching, but personally. So how do you experience mental health, you know, with your athletes or, or how do you navigate it with yourself or your athletes? What does that look like? Um, I guess I'll start kind of back from where my like passion for mental health started. Um, and that was actually one of my college classes, my sophomore year, I think. Um, and one of my professors taught this English class that had this focus on mental illness. And it was just really cool to see, you know, someone older uh, just kind of talk about his own mental health story and like be so open about it. Um, and just learning all these different things about mental illness and things like that through this class. I just thought it was, I don't know, really interesting. I mean, it's, you know, devastating at the same time that, you know, people have these mental health problems, but um, it also opened my eyes that a lot of people have mental health problems and, you know, it is okay to talk about those things. Um, so I would say like moving forward into coaching that I kind of just emphasize, you know, that everyone, you know, that the, it's okay to talk about your mental health and if you're struggling with body image problems or um you know those pre-race anxieties and things like that the lack of mental toughness that it's okay to express those things because you're not you're not the only one who's thinking it that I know I've had my own uh body image problems as well um going through college and running and things like that um so yeah it's just kind of nice to the things I've learned in school kind of impart that wisdom on the girls um, and teach them things like that too. I have to say that class sounds phenomenal. So is an English class based on like mental illness? Is that like, did you read books or? Yeah, it was, um, so it's a literature and moral class. Um, and I think it was part of like the core curriculum at Xavier. So there was different topics you could do. Mm -hmm. And I don't 
I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I guess I've always thought like, you know, mental health was an interesting topic. And so I thought, oh, this would be cool. And then also that professor I had my freshman year just for like a general English class. So I really liked him. Um, and I was like, yeah, like this is perfect. Like I, you know, hitting, killing two birds with one stone for lack of better words. And um, so, yeah, I took that. We read different books. Um, I think short stories, movies we watched just on like different mental health aspects and stuff like that. Oh, so neat. What a, what a really interesting class. I always thought it would be an interesting, and I'm sure they have it somewhere in the country, um, on a class about mental health and um, like media portrayals of mental health and, and how accurate or inaccurate they are. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really, really fascinating. Um, so yeah, it, it, but anywho, I loved, um, you know, the emphasis that you put on with your athletes talking about like the openness that you talk about, you know, with mental health issues or body image or, you know, pre-race anxieties or any of those things that you mentioned, because, um, I think the first step in, in, you know, getting people quote unquote comfortable with them is like destigmatizing them. Right. And so recognizing that you're not alone and like that we all go through this and, you know, um, and that's not to put their, you know, struggles, um, in a box, you know, like with other people's, but just knowing that one's not alone is, is really yeah. important. So I think you're doing a really good job of demystifying, like, what is meant, like, what is this? Why do we feel this way? Right. Um, and sometimes like, I hate to use this word, but sometimes, um, making it seem simpler is always really helpful. So like, oh, yeah. I know you're saying that's, yeah. yeah. So like saying like, the reason you have anxiety is because biologically, like, you know, and so sometimes breaking it down in a different way that other people can understand, they're like, oh, this isn't so bad. It doesn't feel great, but like, I know now what's going on. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so having that knowledge is always really helpful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other thing when we talk a little bit about, um, mental health is that you actually put on a 5k, correct? For mental health and you like combined your two passions there. So speak a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I took that class and then time passed at Xavier, I, we had to do a service learning project and I did mine at the recovery center of Hamilton County in Cincinnati. Um, and they're a group that helps individuals who are like currently recovering from their mental illness and they do like different life skills classes, physical classes, art classes, just kind of helping these people get back on their feet and out into the community and, you know, living more meaningful and successful lives. Um, so I did that uh, I don't even know how long, a couple of weeks, I think, but it was just a really cool and eye-opening experience um, and, you know, grew that passion of mental health. So kind of from that, and then I got this opportunity um, with another organization on campus. Uh, it was called the Rupe Leaders, and this alumni donated a good amount of money to this program that we could all kind of post, put on our own uh, event or program or whatever you want to want to it was really just like up to you what you wanted to do um so after doing different planning activities I kind of realized like yeah I really love mental health and I really love running so let's try to you know combine those two so I did and it became the end the stigma 5k race so I put that on the not this past well I guess it started two years ago last two Aprils ago um and it was really cool. We had over a little over a hundred people come out and run. Um, and then this year, or this you know past April, 
we were, you know, planning, gearing up for it again. And then with everything with the coronavirus going on that we had to unfortunately cancel it. Um, but then we, you know, a couple of weeks after I was like, well, we don't have to cancel it. Like, why don't we just make it into like a virtual race? Cause I was seeing different races being put on virtually. So I thought, you know, let's do that. So it was kind of more informal, but there was still like over 60 people I saw that came out. So yeah, it was really cool. And I hope to do it next year as well. Um, I know I won't be, I guess, officially affiliated with Xavier, but I still have kind of connections there. So I hope that they'll be willing to put it on again. So yeah. Oh, what a neat experience and, and what a great opportunity both at um, the service learning project that you did or, or the work that you did there and then also kind of with the Rupe leaders um, and, and receiving that money and, and utilizing that money not only to help others but also to kind of feed your passion as well and like recognizing that like yeah this is something that I really love to do and I really love you know to help others through it so um, such a neat thing to be able to do and choose to do um, and then also the adaptability to be able to you know put it on virtually um, with all that's going on I think sometimes people are always looking for like that community again so um, right. that you're able to provide that for them was was really great yeah I mean I hope to do it like I said again next year and I think I kind of want to do it virtually also because like we got my, my cousin out in Oregon did it and there's people I don't even know what other states too and that they wouldn't have flown in or whatever to the race that day so it was cool that they all got to experience that as well you know yeah. all over the nation so yeah that's so neat and I was just talking with someone the other day about how tricky this pandemic has been to navigate but in some ways it's brought people together to do opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise have like this awesome 5k so keep yeah. us updated if you decide to do this again next year or if you do like a a biannual so if you do it in the fall again or something just let us know and we'll mm -hmm. um, definitely promote that and I mean I would love to do it. I don't think I've ever done a virtual race so I think that would be a really That's neat awesome. opportunity yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so speaking of Xavier University, you recently graduated with your degree in occupational therapy. Congratulations. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, was it a year long or two years or three year long program? So my undergrad was three and a half years. Okay. And then um, three and a half. Yeah, it was a five and a half year program. So two years of uh, my master's um, and taking graduate classes. Oh, wow. Okay. So cool. Um, so what made you pursue occupational therapy? Um, well, so coming into college or going in or preparing for college and trying to figure out my major, which I'm sure many students now are figuring out the same thing that they don't really know what they want to do. And I was kind of all over the place um, that I wanted to be like a fashion designer or like a journalist. But then also, since I was little, I wanted to always be a teacher. And then as I got more realistic, uh, I was like, oh, nursing would be cool too, kind of in the healthcare that it seemed interesting. So. Uh, I was kind of, I guess, focusing more on like the teaching and nursing. And then a family friend was actually looking at occupational therapy for her daughter, but she went a different avenue, but she told my mom about it, who told me, and I was like, what's occupational therapy? And uh, so I looked into it more and I saw that Xavier was, had their, or they had a program there. So um, they required a certain number of hours that you had to shadow to kind of apply to the program. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll do those hours. I'll get a feel for occupational therapy and what it is. Um, and if I like it, then great. Like I can apply, I got the hours. And if I don't like it, then, you know, I, I've 
you did something different. Like, I don't know. So, <laughs> uh, so I did the hours and um, I did it at, like a pediatric lo location and then um, like a geriatric location. And it was just really cool that the different things they did and they kind of use like the, the pediatrics was kind of more like play based and they were doing these, you know, cause kids like to play and that's kind of like their main occupation is. So they were doing all these different interventions but through play and then with the adults that they were doing you know these kind of daily activities that you'll do but those were like the interventions themselves so they were using these things that these clients that that's what we call the patients or whatever that they wanted and needed to do and helping them rehab or you know re remediate back into what they were used to doing before then getting them back to baseline so it was just a really cool uh, profession I thought and I've definitely learned more as time has gone on and fell in fall, I've fallen in love with it more so yeah yeah um so to clarify was your undergrad degree in occupational therapy in addition to your master's or was it like did you venture off into your master's with so the undergrad degree was it's like a bachelor of liberal art liberal arts with a focus on like human occupations okay Gotcha. So I don't really know if I didn't continue on. I don't really know what I could have done with that degree. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was kind of different, but it had that focus, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Forward. Gotcha. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I was just curious because I loved hearing about like the different things that you were thinking about doing. I think we all enter that path um, where we're just like, oh, I don't know what I want to do with this degree or I don't know what I want to do in college right. or even when we graduate, we have no idea what we want to do. So kind of leading into that question, do you have any idea of like what you hope to do with your degree? I know it's a little bit tricky now with all that's going on, but like if you could imagine your ideal job or the, maybe even the ideal population that you want to be working with, you know, who would it, who would it be? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I, I mean, with everything going on, I would love to just get any job when I'm done. Um, but I guess like, you know, long-term thinking, I would love to work with, you know, the population with like, you know, the mental illnesses and things like that. Um, and I do, I think enjoy, I've, so in our program, we've done, you know, kind of pediatric clinical rotations and then like the adult kind of population. So I've seen both. And I think I still want to work more with kids. Um, so it'd be really cool to work like maybe in like a school and be like a school-based mental health occupational therapist, um, at least for some time and then maybe work towards like doing more in the community. I mean, OT is in the community doing things, but, um, I don't think there's like at the recovery center that there wasn't an occupational therapist there, but it would be really cool to work in some kind of setting like that and bring that OT perspective into you know more of the community based and helping not just kids but you know adolescents and adults as well um so yeah that'd be I guess long-term thinking my dream dream job I guess oh yeah that would be great and it's so neat because even as you were talking about it I could see you weaving all of your like passions into it right so occupational therapy that you've grown you know blossomed and grown into to really enjoying and then you talked earlier about teaching and so you enter the school system and then working with kids. Um, and I mean, it sounds like a great plan, but you know, I, I think we need more occupational therapists uh, coming from my background as well. Like I recognize the need for them and the tough work that it is truly. Um, so I'm really excited to see where you end up and I hope, um, I hope it all works out for you. 
Um, so as we wrap up the podcast, we always ask our guests two last questions. Um, the first being, what, and what advice, excuse me, would you give to your younger self? Yeah. Um, so to my younger self, I would say probably to worry less, like <laughs> don't worry about what's going to happen in the future. Just kind of live your life. I, I know I am my mother's child and we like to worry a lot. <laughs> um, but just kind of, I'm also like very religious and that I would say to put things, you know, put your worries in God's hands and trust that everything is going to be okay. It's going to work itself out and he has a bigger and greater plan for me. So just relax and live your life, I guess. I had to smile when you say we are our mother's child because I am the exact same yep. way. I am a twin of my mother who worries all the time. Yeah, um, trying not to be that way when I'm older, so I'm working on it now. But I totally yeah. can relate to that. Absolutely. Um, and lastly, what does it mean? Um, what does being, excuse me, a strong runner chick mean to you? Yeah, I really like this question. Um, I would say that a strong runner chick is that um like uh I guess that you uh what am I trying to say that you don't that it, it I don't know that you just don't have to be the fastest you don't have to be the best the strongest runner but just kind of that you're not complacent and that going back to that like you're you're the hard worker, you um, are always trying, whether you're, you know, trying to get from a seven minute mile to a six minute mile, or you're trying to get from a nine minute mile to a eight minute mile that you don't have to be the fastest or the best to be a strong runner chick that you just have to um, put in the hard work and work to continue to better yourself. Uh, I actually, one of my favorite quotes is that you, or the quote that goes, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Um, that, that was actually one of the quotes that I think my, one of my coaches gave to me and I was like, oh yeah, like that's me. I'm all about the hard work. Like I'm not the fastest. I'm, you know, not the most talented, but like I will work my hardest for you and hopefully see results in the end. And if not, like I know I tried my best and I'll try to keep continuing to do better and better myself overall. So yeah. It's so funny when you said your answer, that is the quote I thought of. It's, that makes me smile so much. And I think the other thing you nod to is that we all have a space in this running community, right? And it just looks different for everyone. Um, so I appreciate you, like I said, giving a nod to that and recognizing that, you know, hard work is something that we all can do. It looks different for everyone, right? So there's no like form of what hard work looks like because we're all in different places in not only our running journey, but our life journey and our like personal journeys. There's so many different things that we can attribute that to. So um, I really appreciate you joining us on the podcast today, Becky. Um, any last, you know, shout outs, any bits of advice you'd like to give um, in our last few minutes together? No, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. It was really cool. I love the content that you guys put out and I'm just excited to be a part of it. It's really cool. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you, Becky. And keep us updated on your 5K, whatever you decide to do in the next year. Um, we love to support you and love to have a lot of our followers who are listening um, join in on that 5K. I think a lot oh, of people have, Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to probably be heading in that direction, not really sure what, you know, in-person races will look like the next year. So um, definitely keep us updated. But um, anyways, Becky, I want to thank you again for joining us. Strong Runner Chicks, thank you for listening in, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.